Welcome to the Gardens Podcast. This message titled Joy was given by Bill Dogtrum and is the third in our series, Waiting in Expectation. That's what we're doing. We're waiting uh, with expectancy. Um, how many of you are good at waiting? Miguel, you're lying. You are not only not good at waiting, you told me you weren't good at waiting. No shame here, though, just saying. We're not very good at it. We, we're, we're, we're good at grabbing, aren't we? We're not really good at receiving. Um, we're, 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 we're the kinds of people who ruin Christmas by shaking the presents and announcing what's in them, right? Uh, the, the, the sense of, 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 of what is coming, and, and the reason we're not very good at waiting is, is because we want to be in control. We, we want to have some sense of, of um, that, 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 that we can kind of manipulate and control outcomes. And Advent is a season that says you're not really in charge of anything. Time is going to click along about, about uh, 60 minutes an hour, no matter what you do, you cannot speed it up. Uh, and Advent just says, relax. Let, let it come to you. If you keep chasing, it will keep running. If you're still, it may approach. So we're creating space for approach. And um, we've been working through the themes uh, of, of this season uh, and uh, kind of had to laugh uh, when, when Darren gave me my assignment today um, uh, to talk about joy because I'm a melancholic by, by personality type, a temperament type. Um, I've been marginally depressed most of my life. Um, and I'm also an introvert. And um, so, so, and, and I just need to say, uh, in every introvert, there is not an extrovert trying to get out. There is an introvert in there that is saying, would y'all please just leave me alone? I'll be fine, right? Um, I, I read here recently that 25% that, um, of the world, uh, Western world is introverted and 75% are extroverted trying to fix the 25% introverts because they're, they're really convinced there's something wrong uh, with, 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 with us. How many of you are introverts? Anybody else? Now, you can't because you raised your hands. No, sorry, that was a trick question. Okay, um, but we're talking about uh, how does a melancholic introvert talk about joy? Because when we use that language, when we, when we use that 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 word, there is a, there is a, a, a sense of, of lift, of excitement, of anticipation, of, a, of an almost in-your-face uh, celebrational component to it. And, and, and part of what I want to do tonight is just suggest to you that while that is true, that's not really biblically the full sum total of what joy is about. Because while joy is about celebration, it's really about buoyancy. It's really more than anything about resource. And so as, we began, as I began to think through how to, how to talk about this in a, in a reasonable way, um, I, I came across something 
that I, I need you to think with me about. Um, a few years ago, I, I, I read about this, uh, that, that probably almost 100 years ago, when, when people were beginning to explore the depths of the ocean and were beginning to move submersibles into the depths of the ocean, they discovered that the deeper you go, the stronger the hull has to be to counteract the enormous pressure that uh, is, is present at depth. And over the years developed numerous hull designs and, and, and materials and so on and so forth, reinforced steel and, and, the, uh, and the ribs of the, of the submersibles and so on and so forth. But as they, as they got deeper and deeper and deeper, they discovered that at depths that would, would literally crush uh, a human being, there are all kinds of fish that swim around freely in that kind of an environment, as freely as if they were they were closer to the surface without the, the, the incredible pressure. And so the question was, what are those fish doing that we don't have the capacity to do? How can they swim with that level of freedom, with that level of, 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 of buoyancy um, that we have to reinforce our submersible with this high degree, high tensile strength um, uh, steel and the, and the rib structure and so on and so forth, what are they doing? And what they discovered that those little fish, and some of them fairly good sized, had in their body, a, a, they had been created with a, a, a bladder that they could fill up with air, with oxygen, that would equalize from the inside out the pressure that was crushing on them from the outside in. That internal pressure that enables buoyancy at depth under great pressure is joy. That to me is an illustration of what the function of joy is. How many of you feel the pressure at coming at you? Sometimes it's pressure from the outside to conform to the demands. The press, Darren talked about it in terms of what we're trying to push back on with Advent. Sometimes it's the pressure to buy, 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 more, 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 more. Sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's the pressure to continue to perform and to put out. Um, but it's true whether it's Christmas or not, isn't it? It's true in terms of, of relationships. Uh, we, are, we are constantly being bombarded with shoulds. Sometimes the pressure doesn't come at us from the outside, it comes to us from the inside, from voices that were spoken into our hearts decades ago in some cases that are still, we're still responding to as if they had meaning and vibrance for us. They're still controlling our behavior, they're still controlling our attitudes, they're still uh, working on, on managing our lives from people maybe who's, who, who are no longer present in our lives. How many of you, maybe you don't have to raise your hands on this one, but are hearing the voices of people long ago and far away and are dancing to a tune that somebody else is playing for you? How do you, how do you push back against that pressure? How do, you, how do you get through the day with that kind of external force Wanting to find, wanting to define, wanting to shape, wanting to create expectation for your behavior. And I'm going to suggest to you tonight that the answer is joy. 
that joy is the buoyancy of spirit that enables you to be solid in who you are regardless of the pressure that is coming at you to conform or to reshape or to, re, uh, um, uh, to live by the shoulds. I'm going to suggest to you that, that the entire creation is built around the fabric of joy. G.K. Chesterton suggested that joy is the serious business of heaven. I think he's on to something there. I think that, 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 that the, we were built for joy. And if, if we attend to that at deep levels, we will notice in the Psalms, for example, that the creation has an inner buoyancy to it that is present in the elements of creation that sometimes we have lost touch with. Because we are the ones that are living in rebellion to our identity. The mountains aren't. The forests aren't. The seas aren't. They are, they are suffering, according to Genesis chapter 3, as a result of our rebellion. But their essential nature still has the buoyancy of joy built into it. So the psalmist will talk about the... Uh, I've got a, a collection of them here. Uh, th this, this exuberant sense of being talks about the forests clapping their hands or the mountains dancing and singing together for joy, the rivers clapping their hands, the meadows, the valleys shouting for joy, the dawn and the sunset shout for joy. Usually, biblically, the, the word joy is a, a, in connection with victory being announced. So that there is the shout of joy in the camp when the victory has been won. And I think that's as good a way to get at this uh, as, as, as we can, can think about it. So we have all of these things uh, going along, and then the psalmist comes into this conclusion, Oh, for you, O Lord, have made me glad by what you have done. I will sing for joy at the work of your hands. Let the field exult and all that is in it the forests, the trees of the forest sing for joy. So there is this sense of, of the effervescence of the, of, the, of the center of the very structure of the universe, if you will, that, that, that burbles up from the aquifer of, of our souls, right? And it, and, it, and it shapes how we respond, how we, how we deal with stuff from the outside. So a joyful person isn't always a happy person. Sometimes joy is required to get us through the morning. Does that make sense? So joy and grief are not mutually exclusive. In fact, I will argue that joy is necessary to go through seasons of grief to go through seasons of loss, to go through seasons of despair. What is it that keeps someone who experiences grief at a deep and fundamental level, what is it that enables them to get out of bed in the morning? Sooner or later, what it is, I think, is joy. Now, it might not always surface as that. Sometimes it just surfaces uh, over time, after working through the grief of loss, uh, sometimes it just surfaces as 
I've got to get out of bed. I will suggest to you that that idea comes from joy. The sense that, that there is capacity for life still left in me, even though what I held closest has been taken from me. Joy says, there's still more. Joy says, there's still something else for you. Not everything has been lost. Joy keeps us moving forward when we feel like being stuck. Uh, another image that I've been working with on this um, that I, I, I think is, a, is an important one, and, and, and uh, it is building off the Old Testament model. If, if any of you have seen uh, Western movies, you know that, um, it, you know, especially the older ones, the newer ones aren't so much like this, but in the older Western movies, there's always a scene uh, towards, towards the end, right? We're, we're building up, we're building up, we're building up. The movie's about, and, and, the, and, and, and the good guys, whoever they are, the guys in the fort, the guys in the wagon train, the circled wagons, whoever they are, right? The good guys, so to speak, the, the heroes of the story are about ready to be over, overtaken. You, everybody with me on the scene? So you've got your favorite Western in your mind, right? And, uh, yeah, assuming you have a favorite Western, and those of you who don't have a favorite Western, work with me, work with me. All right, so anyway, these guys, the, 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 you know, the, the, the bad guys, whoever they might be, are circling the, the, the wagon, uh, the, or, the, or they're assaulting the fort, or, and, and, and the, our hero is down to his last bullet, and, 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 and the food is running out, and 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 and, 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 and then what happens? Echoing off the Box Canyon walls, echoing off the walls of the fort, echoing in the, the stillness of the last night before the final assault comes the sound of the bugle blowing reveille, comes the sound of the bugle blowing charge as the cavalry rides up over, over the rise and comes to the rescue. You, you with me? So we, we feel the ground begin to shake underneath our feet with the, with the hoof prints of a, of a thousand horses riding to our rescue. That's joy. The response that comes when we realize all is not lost. That even though we feel crushed, even though we feel disabled, even though we feel like, like there's nothing left for us to do but, but lie down and just die and get it over with, then the trumpet blows, the bugle blows, the, the ground begins to shake with the sound of the, of the horse's hooves as, as, as our deliverance rides to the rescue. This is the image, I think, that I want you to come away with, whatever else we do with this tonight, from the, from, from the, from the language of joy. Here's the story I'd like you to listen to. It's, I, I know it's a, a, a familiar familiar one, uh, especially for those of us who, who watch the Charlie Brown Christmas special, the single absolute best Christmas special in the history of the world, in my personal opinion. Okay, you guys are just not working with me at all tonight. You're all looking at me. Okay, I don't care. Um, I should have warned you, I get excited about this stuff. Is everybody okay? Because uh, I can see you starting to back up a little bit, so I'm, 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 I'm trying to calm it down here. Here we go. It's Luke chapter 2. It's a Christmas story. 
You've all heard this. You could almost, maybe if you were a shepherd in a bathrobe once, you, 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 you know it. Maybe you were the narrator in the Christmas thing. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But here it is, Luke chapter 2. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set the stage and then get to my text here for a minute, and then we'll just spend a few Yeah, it's me. I'm messing with the plug here. But I'd rather blame you if that's all right. Yeah, thanks. Good. Okay, so here we are. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields. They were keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were scared to death. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which shall be for all people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And the text that I'd like you to spend some time with me on here is in verse, uh, verses 10 and 11. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold... I bring you good news of a great joy. Now, in the translation we're using here tonight, the, the, the indefinite article, the A, is missing. But it, it, it appears in the, in the text, and I think it's, it's a significant uh, inclusion. I bring you news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I want you to sit with this for me, with me for a few minutes because this is an important story for us. Notice, this is news of a great joy. The, the news isn't joy, it's news of joy. And news of joy of a particular kind. News of joy that has a first name. News of joy that reorients the entire universe on its axis because there is born for you today in Bethlehem a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So here are these poor guys out there in the fields minding their own business, in fact, minding everybody else's business. Shepherds rarely owned their own sheep, so they are hirelings. Shepherds were not highly regarded from the wonderful days of the shepherd king David when shepherd, uh, to be a shepherd was, a, was an honorable profession as we moved more and more into an urban environment. Shepherds were hired to take care of the sheep. This is why Jesus constantly contrasts the difference between a good shepherd and a hireling. Everybody knew shepherds who were hirelings. They didn't know shepherds who were good shepherds much. Shepherds were notoriously unreliable. They were perpetually unclean from the religious sense because they, 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 they embraced animals and, and the product of animals and the blood of animals. They were un, not permitted to go to worship. Here they are, and remember, these guys are, are, are raising sheep just outside of about two miles away from Jerusalem. They are raising lambs and sheep for the sacrifices in Jerusalem and they themselves who are raising and caring for those sheep are unable to go into the sacrifices themselves. 
They are disabled from worship because they're perpetually unclean. Not only that, but because they are, have a reputation of being drunks, inebriated all the time, their testimony is inadmissible in a court of law. So a shepherd could not be trusted to tell the truth. I find it fascinating and quite wonderful that the ones, the very first ones, who are hearing the message of the announcement of a great joy are people whom no one will believe. I find that wonderful. That's just like God. To come to people who everybody else has marginalized, to come to the guy who slept under the bridge last night, to come to the woman who, who, who's turning tricks on, 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 on the street and say to him and say to her, good news of a great joy there is born for you, all people today in the city of David, a Savior. That's just like God. That's just like him. And he comes to us in this story. And I, I, love, I love this. I love this. Here these guys are. They're sitting around the campfire, kumbaya, whatever. I don't know what they're doing. And, 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 and then all of a sudden, the, 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 the veil, the curtain that separates the material world from the spiritual world for a moment is opened. Because as I've mentioned to you before, I believe that there are angels in an alternate universe present with us at all times. If we could, if we could open our eyes, if we could, if we could see what is true, what is real, I believe we would see in this space angels present to us. They wouldn't suddenly appear as in walking on stage. They would suddenly appear as one second they're not there and the very next second they are. Now, I just need you to sit with this for a minute. Here you are sitting in the dark where they actually have dark. With me? And all of a sudden the light, bang, these guys have seen a lot of stuff. They've never seen anything like this before. There is an angel present. And I love that the very first thing out of the angel's mouth is, don't be afraid. I love that. That lets me know that this is not a hallmark angel. This is not an angel, the appearance of which would occasion you to say, isn't that cute? You wouldn't say cute about this angel. You would say, oh my God, what is that? Or you wouldn't say anything at all. Your robes perhaps would be a bit damp by now. Are you with me? Okay, so here's the here's here's shepherd. Here are a bunch of them, right? Gather around the camp. And the angel, boom, appears. And the first thing he says is, don't be afraid. And I love this. Don't just, don't, it's not just don't be afraid based on the appearance and, and the shock value of my presence. Don't ever be afraid again. You don't ever need to let fear rule your life again, ever. You don't need to be afraid. Why? Because I'm bringing you good news. And what's the good news? A great joy has been born for you today in the city 
of David, and he is a savior. The trumpet has sounded, the bugle notes are echoing off the box canyons, the, 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 the beat of the horse's hooves are beginning to shake the ground under these shepherds. The world is turning on its axis in a new way. Orientation has taken place. Why? Because joy has been born in Bethlehem. Joy has a first name. It is Jesus. He is a savior who has come for you. Don't ever be afraid again. News of a great joy. Joy is not just happy. That's the best we can do without a savior. Nothing wrong with happy. It's just not joy. Sometimes joy has to burble up through the experiences of grief, of mourning. But joy is of such a kind. Joy has a resilience to it. Joy has a buoyancy to it that even in the face of death, we can embrace the reality of life. This past week, uh, this, this month is a, is, a, is a roller coaster month for my family, for me. Um, on December 10th, in 1984, my mom passed away after a two-year battle with bone cancer. There is, there, is, there is nothing quite like a death at Christmas. Nothing like it. Or nothing quite like the first Christmas after a death. You're sitting at Thanksgiving and there's an empty, empty chair where somebody sat last year. You're sitting around the, 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 the Christmas tree, maybe, if that's your tradition, and, and everybody, uh, maybe it was like my family, everybody had assigned seating. There were no place cards. It's just everybody knew where you were supposed to sit. And if you sat in the wrong place, we had, uh, had a, had, you know, we have, have in-laws come in, marry into the family. We have to assign them a place to sit. And if they're not careful, they'll sit in the wrong place. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Okay, don't look at me that way then. You guys are all making me work so hard tonight. Okay, anyway, so, so we, there's, but, but you know what I mean? The first Thanksgiving, the first Christmas, the first anniversary, the first birthday, the first afterward. That's why grief takes so, such a long time to work its way through the system. So every December 10th, no matter what I'm doing, no matter whether I think of it consciously or not, there is, there is a... A slowing. There is a, a lag because of the loss that I remember that has become part of, of my story. It's not a define, defining part. It's not who I am. But it's, it's part of the story. Part of the story. And what, what enables us to look down into, into a... A, 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 a grave into which a loved one is being lowered. What enables us to do that? And I will say to you tonight, it's joy. Not joy in loss, but joy in loss. Not happy at the loss, but I'm joyful in it. Joy is the buoyancy that lets us go through loss. 
it lets us redefine death. So much so that uh, C.S. Lewis said Christians never need to say goodbye. Only so long for now. Joy enables the universe to continue to spin even while we're in grief. And then later on this month, on Tuesday, in fact, of this week, we will celebrate the 18th anniversary of our third and final son's birth. He's going to be 18 years old. It's quite wonderful. He is going to move out. <laughs> and if he doesn't, Judy and I are. We may or may not leave a forwarding address. I'm not sure. But anyway, um, and, and so, so here we are. Here we are. You know, December 1st is our, our second son's birthday. December 8th is my wife's birthday. December 10th is the anniversary of my mom's death. December 14th is Peter's birthday. December 25th is Jesus' birthday. What a roller coaster of emotion. How many know what I'm talking about? It's, and, and, and the truth is, life comes at you that way, doesn't it? Death doesn't make an appointment. Babies come when they come. What is it that enables us, in spite of this relentless pressure of the shoulds and the have-tos and the musts, to survive with buoyancy? It's joy. What is it that enables us to get through the hard tasks of our life? Well, here is something. What would enable you to get through the horror of a crucifixion weekend in which you were the one being crucified? What would enable you to get through that? Is that too corny a way to ask the question? The writer of Hebrews says that it was joy that enabled Jesus to endure the cross. Joy is, is for wimps. But joy is also for those strong in heart. What I love about it is that God himself experiences joy. And do you know what occasions joy for God? You do. Zephaniah 3.17 says that he has a dance that he has choreographed with your name on it. He dances over you with joy. He rejoices. He rests in his love. He sings over you. Rejoicing. This is why Paul says to the church at Philippi, go back to the joy station every chance you get. His shorthand for that statement, rejoice. Re-joy. And again, I'll say it, re-joy. How many of you need a joy fill-up based on the stuff you're dealing with, based on the circumstances you're going through, based on the things that you're dealing with? Maybe we need to pull back in for a moment to the wonder of that, of that cross or to the wonder of that incarnation where once again we hear the sound of the angel echoing in our voice, e echoing in our ears. Once again, we hear the bugle blow 
uh, notes bouncing off the canyon walls of our life. Once again, we feel the, the, the stirring hoofprints of the horses riding to our rescue, that all is not lost. It's not over. The darkness will yield to the dawn sooner or later. The darkness of the eastern sky will begin to lighten from black to gray and then will begin to glow with the pinks and the oranges and the reds of that glorious sunrise shining off of the, of the low clouds. That's what joy does in the middle of the seasons of our life. It occas- it's like, it's like I, 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 I tried this this morning. It didn't work really good, but I haven't been able to figure out a better one, so I'm going to use it again. Have you ever gone to the pet store and picked up a puppy? Not one of those, not one of those cuddly puppies, but one of those squirmy puppies that's just so delighted to see you. You, you know what I mean? That's so delighted to have, have somebody pick them up and you just get the sense that this thing is alive from the inside out and you just, there's a delight to it. Oh, it's not, it's not one of these. It's, it's just this, this electric puppy. You know what I mean? That's just, just, just you know, or, or, or have you ever taken a kid that's maybe, you shouldn't do it with a newborn. I'm just saying. Uh, it, it, but do it with, with a, a, a kid that's one or two years old. When Jan was, when my oldest son was, was a little boy, we, I was a youth pastor at the time, and we had kids in our youth group that just adored him, and he adored them. And it was not uncommon for him when he started to walk, to, to toddle over to Ken, Pastor Ken. He became my youth pastor after this time. And, and, and Ken would just pick him up and just throw him in the air. Now, what was my boy doing? when he was up in the air flying higher than he had ever flown in his life before. You know what he was doing. He was just squirming and with the light. Anybody with me? I'm wondering if that's not the kind of pushback we need for the pressures that we are under. If that's not the kind of buoyancy we need for the circumstances of our life. If that's not Because the truth is, you have heard the angel's song. You have heard the angel's announcement. You have heard the good news. There is born today for you in Bethlehem a Savior. It's good news for all the people. Don't live as if you hadn't heard the news. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. I'm going to invite you to pray with me. We're going to spend some time in worship. Towards the end of this worship set, set, Mickey and our team are going to lead us in celebration. In celebration. And I want you to get on your dancing shoes. I want you to get out the ten-stringed instruments. I want you to rejoice. The Lord has come. Father, I thank you for the gift of this good news. I thank you for the anticipation, the expectancy that is wrapped up in this gift. And so, O Lord, we draw near as those stunned shepherds did to the manger. We draw near, O Lord, in amazement that you would come to our rescue. We draw near, O Lord, in amazement that our lives don't need to be defined by the shoulds, but we can live with joy. 
We come, O Lord, and we adore you. We come, O Lord, and we worship you. We come, O Lord, and recognize you as Christ, our Savior, our Messiah, our Redeemer, the one who has come to our rescue. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear other messages from The Garden or would like to find out more about The Garden Church, check out our website at thegardenlb.org.